Good morning, good evening, and good day. I'm Francine, and I really love K-dramas. You're listening to Drama Buds, a Globe Studios podcast. So hello everyone, welcome back to Drama Buds, and welcome to a special episode, our last recap of the year for... Um, what is it, October to December, and for all of 2021, I'm going to be giving my year-end awards-ish. You know how it is. We did this last year. It's it's pretty simple. I don't have as many awards this year as I did before, mostly because I couldn't think of any more categories. I just gave like the basic ones, but I mean, I, I did recaps all throughout the year, so you know what I enjoyed throughout the months. Today, we'll have our last recap of the year and a recap of the best and some of the worsts from 2021. Okay, just to give you my stats, okay, of all the K-dramas I watched, in Q4, my total was 12 K-dramas. It was a very weak quarter for me, okay? I was just, I was just not into what was coming out. Well, until I was super into something that came out. More, a lot more on that later. Okay, my 2021 ongoing total, like the shows that aired this year, I watched 26 of them. Crazy. It's crazy. And this whole year, I have watched 56 K dramas. Round of applause, anybody? No, no, thank you. Thank you. Um, and all time, my all time total is 87 K dramas. Those are my stats. Let's get into it. First, I want to briefly go through the only show that I actually reviewed this quarter, which was Idol the Cool. And usually it's like, oh, I've reviewed it. I don't need to say anything more about it. But for context, if you have not heard of me talk about the show, have you been listening to my podcast for the past month? I have not shut up about this show. Anyway... Uh, I have a two-hour episode on it where that's basically everything you need to know about the show and everything that I can possibly do to convince people to watch it. So please, if you need to fall asleep, just fall asleep to my two-hour podcast about Idol the Coup. But I just have a few more thoughts because I recorded that right after the finale. And of course, my feelings were still fresh. But now I've had about two weeks to think about it and to you know process everything and... I just, I just have a few more thoughts, okay? So despite all of its flaws, which I have listed down in my episode, I have said so much about its flaws. Despite all of the flaws, I still think Idol the Coup is a great drama, especially with everything that worked against it, okay? Like, it was, it aired at 11 p.m. No one was watching at that time. Um, I really felt like they had a production crunch and, like, up, after episode 8, maybe? Like, you could feel that there was a drop in quality after after episode 8. And then, you know, getting low ratings and just, you know, the morale killer of knowing that your show isn't doing well. And I really think that their runtime from an hour and a half got cut into an hour because of the low ratings and everything. And you know what? All those things that actually happened... And everything that worked against it. And the fact that as an idol drama, it could have just been much worse. It could have been a much worse drama in general. But I still think it's great for what it is. And even not for what it is, it just is pretty great. So regarding the ending, okay, I made peace with it 
about a few days after. Not just not just the lack of endgame for Jenna and Jayuk, by the way. Spoilers. I don't know if, if you care about spoilers, but there is no endgame. Like coming to terms with how messy the ending was. I think I became okay with it. Because I remembered that even missing, you know, love of my life, K-drama of my life will give my heart and soul for that show. Written by the same writer. Uh even Missing had a messy and weird ending. Like, there was this whole sequence in Jordan, the country, that took up the last 20 minutes of the show. And it also took up the first 20 minutes of the show. And, like, even knowing everything that happened in it, it still feels out of place, right? It still feels weird that he's suddenly an action star in Jordan. I mean, with what he was doing. Um, but it was obviously well planned out. Like, it wasn't a spur-of-the-moment decision because they really went out to Jordan to film that. And it was at the very start of the series. So, obviously, they wanted things to tie back to that moment. And yet, by the end of it, I still didn't understand why did we have to do all of that. But, but, despite the fact that the Jordan sequence took up a huge chunk, the last chunk of the show, by the way, your, your last shot to leave an impact, even if it took up that huge chunk and it separated us from all these other characters who I, I wouldn't have minded seeing a little bit of the other people in that show, despite all of that, I will still remember Missing as my favorite K-drama of all time. I know it has that glaring flaw that you cannot ignore because it is the last 20 minutes for the show to leave an impact on you. I know, but it's still my favorite because it delivered the message that it wanted to. And I still loved these characters. I loved their journeys and I loved the experience of going on those journeys with them. So personally, I just ignore the parts that I didn't like because the theme of the show to me remained intact. And that, that is what leaves an impact on me more than anything else. So similarly, back to Idol the Kua. Thank you, Missing. You've made a comeback at the very end of the year as always. So similarly, uh, the finale of Idol the Coup was a mess, <laughs> admittedly. And it wasted time on these subplots and these characters that I did not care about instead of like letting me spend more time with my girlies and letting me see their lives after Cotton Candy disbanded. And yet, thematically, somehow, it stuck the landing because they disbanded, right? They just went for it with all that they had. They, they gave their best shot. Whether or not they failed or they succeeded, they would go on their own terms. It didn't lose sight of that, despite all the opportunities for them to be like, oh, well, we, can, we have a chance to renew our contract or we could actually succeed and, and do well together. We don't have to disband now that people want us to stay together. But they still did it because no, this is how we will end our story. Like, I, I respect that. I respect that that is your message. And I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm okay with things that have happened. Could have been better, obviously. But, I mean, look, man. What is it? What is complaining going to do for my mental health? How is that going to help me love this show any more or any less? Okay, I'm done. I'm just, I'm, yeah, final stage of grief. Acceptance. It happened it, it did what it needed to do. And speaking of doing what you need to do, I have to talk about Jenna and Jayuk Endgame, or the lack thereof, and how I have, I have made peace with that. Because you know what? I've thought about it a lot. And trust me, when I say a lot, I mean pretty much most of my waking moments thinking about the show. <laughs> 
in the timeline of Idol the Coup, I don't think it would have made sense for Jenna and Jayok to develop a romantic relationship. Like, not a romantic relationship that I would be satisfied with. Because, you know, I don't want them to rush into it. Wow, I want these people to have, like, a stable, healthy, uh, equal relationship where they respect each other and see each other at their best and worst. And, you know, I want a healthy relationship for these two, no matter how sexy they are. They are sexy, but more than that, I would like them to have a healthy relationship because I see the possibility there. Anyway, <laughs> okay, timeline, time-wise, wouldn't have made sense. I don't want them to rush into it for their own good, of course. And even if, you know, the show didn't waste 20 minutes on freaking Pyong and Erin and all the other things that could have been cut out, uh, and then we moved forward to a time skip or something, maybe a few months or a year after disbandment, and suddenly they're together, even the feeling of that would be rushed because you didn't see how it happened. You know, right? And and here's the thing. In a meta sense, in more like a how the show will be remembered and seen, I don't want Idol Vaku to be criticized for forcing, quote unquote, this love line between the CEO and an idol and then rushing at the end. It's like, oh, you got your endgame, but you didn't see how it happened. So how could we know how they really ended up together? You left crumbs, sure, but that's like crumbs. Uh, to show that maybe there is a sign that they will see each other as equals and be friends maybe and respect each other. But to have like a good healthy relationship, given that it's, you know, coming from a CEO idol relationship and then going into semi-equals, equals, who knows? Look, no, no, okay? It, it just would not be good for the show in the long run. Okay, like non-watchers will hear about, oh, CEO idol romance, and then they're going to think, that's what the show is about? What the heck? Why would anyone watch this? Y'all are gross. And okay, similar to how my mister was initially criticized before it even aired, because they thought that it would be like a Lolita romance between a younger girl seducing a middle-aged man. But it wasn't that. It, it did not at all become that. I would rather that people are not able to say anything negative about the show because of romance. Okay? Like, you know what? We're playing the long game. We are doing this for Idol the Coup post-airing reversal, okay? We are aiming for the reversal, for the long, the, the, the longevity of this show. And so, this is for the better. It's fine. And besides... <laughs> Besides, the writer and the director left me enough crumbs and opened enough doors for me to make Endgame possible in my mind. Just not explicitly, so I'm good. And also, the producer of the show said that yes, they left romantic crumbs throughout the show, but the romance wasn't the point of it. And they wanted, they didn't want it to muddle their theme or their message. Same thoughts, sir. Same thoughts. And so, therefore, they confirmed to me that this show, or that their moments were romantic, and therefore I do not have to gaslight myself and, you know, say, like, was it romantic if, if nothing happened at the end? Was I just crazy? No, Francine, you weren't crazy. That was romantic. Everything was real. It just it wasn't the right time for that to happen. Everything is okay. I'm sorry, I'm looking at my recording right now and we have spent uh, too much time on the show. More than, 
I hate it. Why do I keep talking about stupid idol Baku? Anyway, in general, I, I'm wrapping this up. I promise. In general, idol Baku suffered from wanting to do too much and not having enough time to do it. But I would take this mess over all the shows that have all the time, all the resources, all the promotion in the world, and they still manage to have like super thin plots and weak characters and lame whatever gimmicks and humor and whatever that aren't worth 16 episodes, right? That they're clearly just filling out the time with subplots and side characters and whatever because they don't have enough meat on their actual plot to take up the 16 episodes that they have. And and I would also take this over shows that are trying to do so much. They have some thriller, they have some slice of life, they have a little bit of romance, they have sub-characters, side plots, and murder, and whatever, all these things, and they still manage to be boring. Okay, I will take Idol the Coup and its insanity and how I cannot breathe when I watch the show. I will take that. Okay, this is what I wish more K-dramas were like. Not boring. Number one, can, can K-dramas just stop being boring? My god. And also, I don't have to try so hard to like it. You know, I don't have to go through all these mental gymnastics just to say, yeah, this was a good show. This was okay. Like, no, Idol Thaku is like, this is supposed to be a bad show, but you like it. So therefore, <laughs> just accept that you like the show and love it shamelessly. And that's who I am. That's my whole identity now. And we have spent enough time talking about Idol the Cool. Let's put that behind us. More on that later. All right. So now I'm going to go through the K-dramas I finished that I didn't do a review on. Right? So let's start with Birth Care Center. Uh, I decided to watch this because it was short. It only had eight episodes. And I just, I needed to watch something while I was experiencing a slump. Like, I I watched nothing for weeks, I swear. And this show was, I mean, it was funny. It was heartwarming. It was weirdly intriguing. And yes, it got me to cry because it's about mothers. You know how it is. Uh, yeah, I loved how it portrayed the different perspectives of different kinds of moms with their own priorities and their own struggles and i also loved how it humanized and is vilified the word but just showing that um moms with different perspectives on child rearing they're not all good or they're not all right and they're all they're not all wrong either like this super mom character of Jo Eun-jung uh, she would do everything for her child and she's constantly praised by the other moms she's like the traditional perfect mom but her way of child rearing is just it's too difficult it's not feasible for a working mom like Oh Yoon Jin and then we have the other main mom, uh, Lee Ruda. She's young. She's the progressive one. She goes against all the traditional ways. And yet she's still shown to love her child just as much. And she just doesn't want to do what the other moms typically do. But that doesn't mean it's because she doesn't love her child just as much as they do. But, but there are still some aspects of traditional methods that may be better for the child. So essentially... You know, being progressive doesn't necessarily mean improving on things uh, that are traditional, right? It, it, neither is perfect, but both are just doing what they can for the good of their child, essentially. The show also dealt with like the many expectations placed on women, on new moms, on working moms during a time when they're already 
stressed out by having to raise a human being. Um, I didn't super love the thriller-ish aspect of it with the mystery and the melodrama towards the end. But uh, I feel like it added even more layers to the cultural commentary surrounding birth care centers and motherhood. So, okay, I, I see what they're going for. It's fine. In general, birth care center is it's pretty good. It's not the most memorable or anything, but it's very unique in its story and its delivery. So, yeah, it's pretty okay. Next show, Squid Game. Um, need I say more? I don't know. I just, I'm just, I'm lazy. I don't, I don't really feel like saying anything about this. People have said enough about it. Um, I talked about this in my binge watching episode earlier, um, and I watched it about a month after everyone did. After the hype kind of died down, um, because I saw the hype and I didn't watch it while everyone was into it. I think that's why I wasn't as obsessed with it as others were. But then they also moved on very quickly. You know how it is. You know how it is. I mean, it's good. It's okay. It's okay. I don't have much to say. It's engaging. Makes you think about things and life a bit-ish. Anyway, Tug of War was the best episode. Uh, that, that challenge was fun. The cliffhanger was so good. And... I love teamwork, okay? I love teamwork and strategy and watching that work. So that's it. Also, Cho Sang Woo, best, best boy, my favorite character. He deserved to win. Okay, that's those are all my Squid Game thoughts. Not a lot, obviously. Next, we have DP. Oh, God. This was so hard to watch, but it was so good. It has you know, a little bit of buddy cop dynamics comedy and also has like harsh realities and action and violence and emotional beats and an amazing final case i guess that we knew it was coming but we didn't want it to come you know it's like they've been planting hints that this is going to happen all throughout the show and you know the emotional climax of the show is related to this case cannot spoil it it hurts so much um but yeah, so good, so hard to watch. Uh, it shows how a system like that, the military system, it's tolerated by everyone and it's seen as a rite of passage. But in the worst cases, it can break someone and turn them into something that they would have never been like on their own. Like It's not their nature to be that way. It's the way they're nurtured by this awful system. And it's really terrifying to think about how this is a watered-down version of the webtoon, probably, which is probably a watered-down version of reality. And I just, that that scares me. But uh, aside from the, the actual content, great content, um, the directing is so good. I love the pacing. I love the music. Um, I genuinely did not think it was going to end like that because I forgot to check how many episodes it had. I thought there would be like eight or nine episodes. There were only six. So yeah, get ready for that. And hey, it, it made me want more though. And I'm glad that it's getting another season because I'm sure there is more story to tell. Yeah, DP, DP for me is my favorite Netflix original release. Yeah, more than anything else. It's DP. But okay, next show I just recently watched is Inspector Koo. Technically, this was ongoing, but I didn't watch it while it was ongoing. I binged it after, so it's on this category, okay? And okay, I would describe this show as 
um, or my feelings towards this show as what Vincenzo or what I wanted to feel about Vincenzo. Because I don't want to say like, oh, this is what Vincenzo wanted to be. I don't want to assume the intentions of that show. Okay, but to me, this is what I wanted to feel about Vincenzo. I wanted to, you know, enjoy it. I wanted to have fun with it. I wanted to just ride with the ridiculous stuff and laugh at the humor and care about the characters and find them all both likable but also frustrating. I wanted that. But that's not how I felt about Vincenzo. But here, I love it. Okay, Inspector Koo made serial killer dramas fun again. And that's all I want because it really subverted everything I hated about thrillers. Technically, it's a thriller, okay? It's a serial killer thriller. Um, even like the unfortunately necessary parts of it, like the slow reveal of the master plan. You know how those can take forever and it could be like super boring, just someone delivering a monologue of their plan and then the other person responding angrily or incredulously. Uh, you know how it is. Or it could be in just this huge 20-minute flashback that takes forever and is super boring. But hey, even in Inspector Koo, the master plan reveal was delivered in a creative way. It was like half flashback, half reactions from the person who was listening, who wasn't actually there, but then they show up in the actual scene as if they were there the whole time, just commenting on what's happening. I don't know. It's just... I feel like, of course, it's been done before, but in this application, it's fun. It's creative. In general, the show is like, it's a cat and mouse chase show where you immediately know who they're chasing. But it doesn't get boring. Because they're both so smart. They're always like outsmarting each other. And yet they're all in the same wavelength. And that's why no one can kill or catch the other. Because they're just always on the same, like, on the same step. Side by side, all the time. So good. It's not a whodunit. Similar to my frustrations with rom-coms. For me, rom-coms are like, why is this a will they or won't they when we know that they will? And then for Inspector Koo, for thrillers, like, why is it always a whodunit? We're always just going to suspect each person around us one by one. But here, it's like, you know immediately who K is. You know immediately who you're supposed to be chasing. But instead of a whodunit among your allies of like, who's the big bad? They're just like, who's actually on your side? Who is actually um, supporting you or who is working for the other sides? And it's a three-way conflict. I love I love a three-way conflict because you never know when to fully trust people. Yes. Also, it's not a whodunit. It's a how and why are they going to do it? And how are they going to get away with it? Oh, it's fun. More on this later, but I genuinely rooted for Kay as a character. <laughs> I mean, me rooting for the serial killer. It's a testament to both the writing and the acting. More on that later. I love Kimia Jun. More on that. Um, best squad also. This is this is squad goals to me. Um, they're all so good at acting. And that's why I, I love them all. Even the supporting cast. Even not the squad people. More on that later, of course. Um, the show only dipped a little in... Not quality, but I guess engagement for me. When the dynamics of the characters changed. Like, you know, some people were traitors or they just weren't on the same team anymore. That's like episodes 8 to 9-ish. But it immediately picked back up again and became fun again. So, yay. Um, What else? show has a lot of logical leaps, which I expected. And because I was just having so much fun, 
I let it slide. It was fine by me. Because it's fun and the characters are good. I mean, once again, if you manage to turn my brain off, you're the winner here. <laughs> you're the real winner. <laughs> so, so Inspector, who did it? They managed to turn my brain off. Congratulations. Um, to me, this is the most creative show of the year. I love the stage play parallels, like actual stage play, Shakespearean, whatever parallels to how connecting it to murder. Wonderful, fantastic, amazing. And everything about it's just very campy and ridiculous in a good way. It's a lot of fun. One of my favorite shows this year, which you will find out where it ranks later. And last show that I finished or binged-ish is The Silent Sea. Literally just finished it the day it came out. You know, you know how it is. Honestly, honestly, I'm not a huge sci-fi fan. It's not my genre. I haven't watched anything that really engaged me. But hey, it's exciting to see K-dramas exploring it more. Especially like the space sci-fi. Because I feel like we've done a lot of you know parallel worlds or time shenanigans, time loop, time travel, time whatever. But hey, space... New Frontier. Love to see it. Uh, I like... Oh no, I love the dystopian post-apocalyptic world they built. It makes sense. Um, exposition was not that heavy in episode one. It's fine. Um, and honestly, I do not have much to say about it. Because I binged it during Christmas Eve. So my watch was disrupted by dinner <laughs> and Noche Buena. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. I don't have much to say. But in fairness to me... Give me a little credit. I did try to theorize while I was watching it. To like keep track of things. Or like, hmm, maybe this is happening because of this and that. Like, I tried that. Hey, I was paying enough attention. Um, I wouldn't say it's boring because I don't really have the right to judge it. Uh, I understood the message also. I understood, the, I understood everything that was going on. It's just not for me. But that doesn't mean it's bad. I've seen some harsh reviews and it's like, huh? Well... It's really not that bad, guys. You're being weird. I don't know. Yeah, I can't call it boring because my opinion doesn't matter. It's not my genre. It's the same way as like, if I said a saguk was boring, who am I? Have I watched any saguk and enjoyed it actually, aside from Scarlet Heart? My opinions not matter here. But <laughs> every other genre that doesn't require like a high barrier of entry, I have opinions. <laughs> but this, I'm like, it's fine. Next. We are going to go through all the ongoing shows that I finished, which is the the bulk of this, honestly. But yeah, first, Police University. Speedrun this. No thoughts, head empty. <laughs> it was kind of entertaining at the start, but it dragged towards the end. Everything stupid that the protagonist did, I just told myself, he's a high schooler, he's a high school graduate, it's fine, he's a kid. Um, what else? Not much chemistry between the leads, but whatever. We let it slide, they're kids. Um, I like the Mr. O Jangure dynamic between Chatayun and Jinyong's characters. That was, that was cute. I wish, honestly, that it was more like wacky slice of life, university life stuff instead of the mystery because the mystery was lame. <laughs> it was very lame. But eh, it's fine. No thoughts. Next, Dr. Brain. Um... Well, it's very well directed and shot. Very beautiful. Um, it had some bad storytelling. Like in episode 5, it was just half of it was flashbacks and it was insanely boring. Um, Sci-fi wise, here, once again, I just let it fly over my head because, you know, suspension of disbelief. That's all I can do for you. It's fine. It's fine. 
um in general yeah no thoughts this to me was like a little more <laughs> this was pretty boring but i mean it it was it was okay at the start i was still okay with it at the start it just like lost me and it only had six episodes but whatever it's fine next you have hopetown cha-cha-cha uh i mean for what it is uh, a rom-com a light rom-com it's good it's good for what it is but i don't know when people say that it's so much more than that i i just get confused because like huh i don't know to me it's just a rom-com with a slideshow of tropes don't even at me about enemies to lovers okay don't me that is not your trope it's just random people meeting and then not liking each other for some reason and then they meet each other frequently and then they fall in love like it's literally textbook rom-com this this to me is textbook rom-com and i enjoyed it hey in fairness i enjoyed the first half of the show but then as soon as they fell in love i was like okay where's the conflict <laughs> they're gonna introduce some unnecessary breakup or some unnecessary backstory they got the backstory just just to add some conflict because in all honesty there is no conflict with the show end up together or don't but you will because it's a rom-com um yeah i don't know i hear a lot of people saying like oh it's so special because of the side characters and the villagers and the feels and all and that's where it's like Ah, <laughs> you lost me. You lost me on that. I'm not going to like a show just for the side characters and not for the main characters. Okay. I think if you gave this to me in 2020, I would have liked it more because I was into that. But I'm done with that K drama phase. So no, you were not. You will not sell a show to me using its side characters. Okay. I'm I'm done with that. I'm I'm done. So whatever people liked it more power to you is not for me next this is this is for me yumi cells i mean i my favorite rom-com this is my favorite rom-com this is one of my top k-dramas this year you will find out i have talked about this many times before <laughs> but i'm really not a fan of rom-coms because of the will they or won't they trope Okay, it's a rom-com, it's a K-drama, they are the main leads, they are the top-billed people, they will end up together. That is not a question. Okay, it's so rare for leads to not end up together at the end. So where's the thrill? You know where the thrill is? Idol the coup. The one time I wanted a show to be predictable, that's when the top two build actors did not end up together. I'm just saying, I am so stressed. Anyway... It's so rare for leads to not end up together at the end. So where's the thrill? <laughs> um, but yeah, those types of shows are so dependent on chemistry to sell the show. But it's also very rare to find a couple whose chemistry will make me, me, sit through 16 episodes of barely anything substantial. And in general, that's why I did not like Hometown Cha Cha Cha. And I especially did not like it, I think. Because I was watching Yumi Cells at the same time. Because Yumi Cells, it's so simple. It's just about a flawed female character looking for love, entering a new relationship for the first time in a long time, and the awkwardness of dating, and all her insecurities, and misunderstandings, and just seeing that play out through the cells in their head. Okay? The, it's so simple. And yet, because it's so creatively done, and well acted by my girl Kim Go Un more on her later, you know it. Yeah, I loved it. And also knowing that she was going to have more love interests after Wung, after An Boyun, 
that was very interesting because, of course, you're enjoying the relationship. They're very cute. More on that later. You're enjoying the relationship while also knowing that they won't last. So it's not a will they or won't they. It's a, it's how long will they? And what will finally make them break up? Like when they get through this one hurdle, you think, okay, okay, they're fine. Okay, that, that's not going to be it. That's not going to be the boss fight of this relationship. And then they go through what you think will be the boss fight of the relationship. And they survive. And you think, huh, how so if they're not breaking up because of this big issue that has been projected since the very first time we met Wong, what's going to make them break up? It I love, I love how it was depicted as just a bunch of little things after they made it through the huge hurdles. Because that's, that's very real. It's not a big dramatic moment and then they break up. Because, I mean, that could happen, but... Sometimes it's just the little things. And finally, the gourd breaks and you decide it's time to end this. Oh, love it. Uh, I also love how the relationship was shown after the butterflies were gone and they were more stable, but they weren't as excited about the relationship anymore. Because a lot of rom-coms just show like, oh, the fluffy start and then, of course, the unnecessary conflict slash break up and then they get back together and then they have a happy ending or if it's they get a wedding but i mean i don't know in life that stuff doesn't happen that quickly they're even shown talking about marriage and how like it's not so easy to jump into it i love that uh else i love how there weren't a lot of unnecessary side characters and subplots to fill up the time like, we saw into Wong's mind. Yeah, we saw his cells, okay. But at the very end, in this, like, pivotal moment when they finally broke up, only Yumi mattered. On- we only saw in through Yumi's uh, eyes, through her cells, only her experience and her recollection of the in- incident mattered. It just leans into the message of, this is about Yumi and her cells, nothing else. Um course have to praise the animation they are absolutely necessary so cute so well done and yeah i'm just excited for season two and for the reveal of the third love interest i'm please please hopefully they can maintain the production level and hopefully kim gone has good chemistry with whoever is coming because you know oh more on her chemistry with anboyun later oh i love it i love them and well, I'm sad that Wong has to go because it is rare to see him go in with such good chemistry with someone, you know how it is. But hopefully, hopefully it turns out well. Okay, now we talk about Jirisan. Oh yes, this is one of the most disappointing shows for me this year. Like I was waiting for the moment, you know, when everything started to come together because that's my experience with thrillers. I don't get what's happening, but then like episode... 10 to 12, things finally tie together. And it's like, whoa, this is so good. This is the moment. But just getting there, I got lost. And I'm actually really sad that I didn't end up liking this because I remember distinctly saying, this show can't be bad. It has all these people and all that. But it was. It was. And I can't even say much about it because I was just so tuned out after Episode 9, I think, when they killed the first main character. You know how it is. And let me rant a little bit about this show in relation to Idol Vaku. I know, I know, I won't shut up. Why won't you shut up? I know, but I don't care. I'll say what I want. 
I feel like my frustration with Jirisan worsened because I was watching Idol the Coup at the same time. Like, I feel like the first few weeks, I was like, uh, I'll be nice. I won't say anything bad about it yet. Because, you know, it's a thriller. I'm notoriously slow to warm up with those kinds of shows. You have to give it a chance. And then when Idol the Coup came into my life and consumed it, I was just, I just became furious at Jirisan. Like, I got mad every time I had to watch the show. Because Jirisan is peak privilege. Jirisan has all the privileges in the world. It has an A-list writer, A-list director, A-list actors, has all the publicity, all the promotion, all the hype from last year. It got decent ratings. Okay, I'm sure they expected more, but I mean, you can still say they got decent ratings, okay? Meanwhile, we have Idol the Coup, who has B-listers at most and a bunch of rookies. They had barely any promotion, they had terrible ratings, everything that, you know, from the outside, you could say, why would anyone care about this stupid little idol show when it's doing so terribly and it looks like it's going to be terrible? But while I was watching Jirisan, I was bored as hell, out of my mind. Like, my God, people were dying on screen. I was just, I was probably singing K-pop or something. It's just like, oh, they're dying. Cool, whatever. Never cared about any of these characters. But for Idol, the cool, it's like, I literally cannot raise my phone. I cannot do anything while I am watching this show because I am like edge of my seat engaged with what's going on in this stupid little idol show, okay? And you know what? Let's not compare two shows that are so different, okay? Let's compare it to the other shows in their genre. So even among other thrillers, Jirisan would not be one of the best, okay? Meanwhile, Idol the Coup is probably the best idol drama out there. I will say it, okay? There is no secret idol dating. There's, I mean, there are ridiculous things, but it just touches on a lot more issues than you'd expect them to touch on. Jirisan had everything and it didn't entertain me. That's all you have to do. You just have to entertain me. Meanwhile, Idol the Coup had nothing and worked with what little they had to make an engaging drama that showed the potential of its genre. Like, I really think if Idol the Coup were a bigger hit, people would see that, you know what? Maybe idol dramas have potential. Maybe we can work with this. Maybe they can be good and we don't have to look down on them. But alas, so that's how Idol the Coup ruined Jirisan for me. My God. Let's move on. The last ongoing show that I was subscribed to was One Ordinary Day. Kim Soo-yun Cha sung Um... First episode was amazing. I heard it was almost exactly like the other versions. And I can I can see why they kept it that way because it's so good and hard to watch. Um, what else? It was hard to watch in general because of the violence and the attacking people. Um, I like the trial parts because generally I realize that I'm a fan of legal dramas. I enjoy just l- watching people talk and tie things together for me. That's fine. Uh, Kim Soo Yoon is amazing as usual uh, it hurts to see him hurt but I love him and he did great ending was very anticlimactic for me it was weirdly rushed eh no no thoughts it was okay next here are all the ongoing shows that I tried to watch but I dropped eventually first we have Lost which makes me sad to say it I dropped it at episode 13 man I, I was totally, I was tuned out. I'm sorry. And like, there's a level of slow that I can tolerate, but I don't think, 
like I really think there's a lot of user error here. I feel like a lot of it was on me because I watched it while it was ongoing, which I don't think would be good given how slow I mean how short my attention span is. Like if I binged it, I think I would have been like, okay, I'm gonna sit down with this show for two days and finish it. And I think I would have appreciated more if I just like sat in those feelings instead of like, oh, everything is very slow and very sad and very understated. And then as soon as you're getting into it, it's like, up, oh, cut. And then another week until I return to those feelings. So maybe it's a me problem. Yeah. And then I was also completely taken aback by the romantic turn of the relationship. Though maybe I was not paying enough attention to see that, yeah, that was coming. That was possible. Yeah, I still blame myself also partially for having my Mr. Expectations. And then looking for no romance and just like, oh, it's just about empathy. But I think it was about empathy and romance can be part of that. But it's my fault. My fault, really, for expecting that. Um, and even my mister had a lot of, like, plotty things going on. So, yeah, it, it's my fault. It's it's my bad. That's why, like, I can't say the show is bad or it's boring. It's, it's like, truly boring. Because those who stuck to the end loved it. A lot of them did. So, if you have the attention span for it, and if you can really sit down with just people very slowly going through their emotions silently that's on you that's good for you 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 can do this i think you'd enjoy this next show i dropped well let's just speed run through this okay um reflection of you i watched one episode i only picked it up for goyon jung i was so excited for her to come back after you're my friends many years ago but you know i don't like shin yun bin and i was not looking for a melodramatic intrigue thriller makchang so Next, Melancholia. I dropped this in episode 5. And I'm sad that I did not reach the time skip part. But, you know, I was not interested in the, like, lame Sky Castle school intrigue makjang. And then I also did not think I would be convinced by the romantic part, which we all knew was coming. So, sorry, Doyun. I guess I'll have to see you in your next project, which is with freaking Song Ikyo. <laughs> why? Why? I know it's a good career move, but why? Uh, we'll see. Next, now we are breaking up. Speaking of her, dropped it in episode 3. It's a boring melodrama. I don't like both Song Yekyo and Jang Kiyong. It's like putting two, two trees together. Two attractive trees together and just watching them stare at each other. I doubted they would ever have chemistry and that their acting would surprise me here. So I just, let's just save time and drop it. Yeah. And last show I dropped was Happiness. I dropped it in episode 10. Oh my gosh. I enjoyed it a lot during the start, okay? I really loved the directing. And surprisingly, my favorite parts were the zombie thriller parts, okay? I get what they were going for. I just, I just kind of tuned out and I started skipping scenes at around episode 8. And then I, I dropped it by episode 10 because it's like, well, I know what's going to happen. I got spoiled and I'm already skipping scenes. So maybe I'm not that invested and I don't really need to force myself to finish it. But it's watchable. Hey, I didn't drop it because it was bad. I dropped it because it's a me problem. And I love the tropes, okay? I love the friends to lovers, fake marriage, forced cohabitation. I love it. I'm so into it. Good for them. They made all of that work with zombies, so more power. <laughs> um, 
And lastly, I loved Han Yoju here. I think she fits this kind of character more than what I saw from her in W, like what I tried from her. So yeah, um, excited to see her in Pirates 2 with Kang Hanul. Let's go! <laughs> and okay, for currently ongoing shows, I am trying just between lovers slash rain or shine, whatever. It's rain or shine on Netflix. Um, it's a melodrama. Uh, not much to say about it. I like both Wonjina and Lee Junho, so I'm kind of biased for it. It's okay so far. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna stick with it. And in general, I'm not watching anything because I can't. I cannot watch anything, even finish shows, because of how idle the coup has left me in the worst slump ever. I thought it would get me out of a slump, but it yeah, it got me out of it and shoved me back in and said, suffer, girl. Suffer and not enjoy anything because I live rent-free in your mind all the time, 24-7. Yeah, that's what Idol the Coup has done to me. Okay, that's, that's it for that. For our Q4 recap, let's move on to the year-end awards. Okay, I'm... I'm gonna speed through like best actor because there are only two. I didn't last year. I had an easier time picking actors and a harder time picking actresses, and now it's entirely the other way around. So for the actor actress supporting cast, I just chose either performances that impressed me or characters that I really liked, mostly for supporting characters. Uh, but for best actor and actress, it's the that performance. So for best actor, we have Lee Do-yoon, who I saw in 18 Again, Sweet Home, and The Youth of Me. Much deserved best new actor award for 18 Again. And yeah, given the three characters, the three shows that I list down, like he has a decent range. He's, he's played a decent range of characters. So happy for him. Very excited for his future. Even if I do not like his current project and his next project, I believe in Doyun. He he has a very bright future. And next we have Jung Hain, who I watched in One Spring Night in my rewatch of One Spring Night and in DP. Finally, you know, seeing him in DP, finally a role that shows off more of his acting chops than his usual melodramas. Um I have not picked up Snowdrop. I am still debating and i'm gonna see if it gets cancelled okay honestly i will wait for that but um i don't know what actually what kind of character he's portraying there but i i trust him and of course chemistry wise he'll be fine uh jung in hoping hoping you uh make it through this always next we have the best actresses a lot of them Let's go over like the very the ones that I can't say much about. Kim Yesu in Signal, my queen, absolutely amazing, show-stopping, brilliant person. I love her always. And Go Yun Jung in Dear My Friends as Park One. So natural for such a complex character. Mm, no words. I have said enough in my Dear My Friends review. I also, hey, I also reviewed Signal like very early this year. So yes. Those two, just queens. I need not say more. Okay, let's talk about Kim Go Eun and Yumi Cells as Yumi, of course. But look, Kim Go Eun has always been good. But here, I really felt that she was portraying what it's like to have a million things going through your mind at once. Like, you're seeing all her cells, you know, being super animated and cute and dramatic. And then you're seeing her in real life portraying what they want her to portray. I, I don't know. Ah, oh, so good. Next, we have Kim Ye Jun as Song Yi Kyung or K from Inspector Koo. 
technically, she's not a female lead. Okay? Technically, that's Leong A, of course, as Inspector Ku. But for me, K is the star of the show. She's also the star of the show. I have seen Kim Yejun in like simple, nice girl roles that can chip in. And then I've seen her in antagonistic roles. Like in Kingdom, she was the queen, guys. She was the queen in Kingdom. And so seeing her now in like a psychopath role where she's not just like, you know, opening her eyes super wide and saying, I'm crazy. No, it's it's not like that. It's a psychopath role where it's more like she's just a lonely little girl looking for validation from a mother figure. Like she really, she really feels like a lonely girl. And I, I don't know how to explain that and why, like for me, psychopath roles are very easy i mean all you have to do is like act really weird and unhinged um like okay sorry to bring other people into this but for those saying like oh take Kion and vincenzo for whatever his role was oh he deserves like a best supporting actor norm for that or a win it's like oh i don't know <laughs> a psychopath who is just crazy and just very over the top violent and all that like huh that's that's the best Supporting actor, too? I mean, psycho- once again, psychopath roles are easy. Lee Dong-wook played a good psychopath in Strangers from Hell. I don't know. Yeah, to me, psychopath roles are easy. But, like, the reason why I didn't think Taekyung deserved a nom or a win, definitely, was because he portrayed an easy psychopath. Right? It's just like, yeah, once again, just someone super crazy and super hell-bent on their ways to hurt people for, for the sake of it because they want to. Um, meanwhile, K is like, once again, the, the lonely little girl that's easily manipulated. Like, people, yeah, the people can play around with her, but she's also terrifying because you never know when she's going to, like, break out of that spell and realize that she's being toyed with and retaliate on those people. And, yeah, ah, love her, adore her, adore Kim Yejun as K. Uh, and lastly, last best actress of the year, my girl, An Hyun, or Hani, uh, as Kim Jenna in Idol of the Cool. She's my girl. Okay, she gave her heart and soul into this show and into this performance. You know, learning all the dances and also just being the best actress on this show and not being, she's not even that much senior compared to all these rookie idol actors, but she does seem more senior just by a year. Just by a year, she's one of the most experienced actresses there. It's crazy how she really took 80% of that show and did her very, very best with it. And you could say like, oh, she cries too excessively. Like She's too dramatic. It doesn't look good or it's cringy. It's like, my girl lost two of the only important people in her life at once and her failure was dawning on them and her bandmates were turning on her and threatening to leave and they were all just going to this band hating each other and this is how six years of her life would go down the drain like homegirl deserves an ugly cry okay not every cry can be like very pretty and graceful like sometimes you need to cry like your soul is leaving your body context wise it makes sense baby and she did it well enough and yeah led 80% of the show I am scared to manifest this but I really want like a big song best new actress nom for her just the nom she doesn't need to win it's okay she doesn't need to win but just to be nominated you know for doing so well in that show and carrying that whole show I don't know. I, I'm scared to manifest it. I'm scared to say it out loud into the world. But hey, man. Guys, 
just like keep her in your prayers you know just leave one spot for her just just for her just let her have it just to validate her for this because it's just so demoralizing like seeing the ratings and just the response in general and knowing that you are doing your absolute best in this show and yet no amount of hard work can you know can control public opinion or just people watching it or not <sighs> I don't look who I'm sorry let's move on Anhyun or yeah honey honey my girl she deserves the world moving on best supporting actor slash actresses more of the like the characters that I liked we have uh, Yoon Yojong as Oh Chung Nam in Dear My Friends Look, she's my favorite grandma in that show. And I know she's not supposed to be a supporting character. She literally said, I am the main character of my life and all. I know, I know she said that. But let's be real. She and Youngwon were not featured as much as the other grandmas there. But I absolutely love her. She's the old maid. Yes, very relatable. Wow, (laughs) relatable. Okay, yes, moving on. We also have Son Suku as Secretary Cha Yong Jin in Designated Survivor 60 Days. Love of my life. I love him so much. Sometimes he's so terrible, but sometimes he's also so smart. It's like I respect you simply because you're so intelligent and you're always playing the game. And I know that playing the game is important in politics. And I just love his exasperation from dealing with everything and everyone. Oh, and I love that I couldn't fully trust him but i also just i wanted to trust him because i loved him so much oh my gosh but yes <laughs> sun suku a secretary cha and he even got like the bare minimum love line you know i love a bare minimum love line come on yes moving on my best supporting actor slash actresses Essentially, all the characters from Inspector Ku. Yes, we will go through all of them. First, we have B-team people, um, Inspector Ku's people. We have Na Jae-hee, played by Kwak Sun-yong. Honestly, Kwak Sun-yong, I did not appreciate her as Iksun in Hospital Playlist. She was my least favorite character. I'm sorry, Bidulgi stands. I hated her. She, her, her, their story in season two was the most annoying to me. And it just turned Junwan into this pathetic I don't know, pathetic little boy. And I hated it. But here, oh, I love Kwak Sun-yong. Oh, so good. Um, next, we have Oh kyung soo played by Cho Yun-chul. Cho Yun-chul, I have seen in every role I have seen him in. He was Sanchez in Hotel de Luna. He was in DP. He was in Samjin Company English class. Ah, I love him in everything I've seen him. He's so funny and <laughs> he's so funny and like kind of pathetic and and yet you root for him. He's always like the butt of the joke, but I just love him and I love his character here. Essentially, same as those, but I've always loved those characters. And lastly, we have Santa played by Bek Song Chol, my my poor little meow meow who. Oh, the ultimate red herring of that show. I swear, they spent so long building him up. I was like, is he going to be a traitor? Because he obviously has a secret. But they revealed it too early, right? That it's not going to be like a huge twist if he turned out somehow bad. Because you've been kind of planting seeds of distrust. Not even seeds of distrust. Like huge trees of distrust 
very early on in the show. So it's like, what are you planning on doing with this character? And well, they didn't really go super deep into it. I still believe that he was that K was telling the truth about him, but um, maybe Kyung Soo didn't find the truth, like didn't dig deep enough and whatever. And Santa just accepted that they forgave him and stuff. Whatever, I just don't care. I love his character. I love how he's always just like floating around Inspector Koo quietly cleaning up after her and taking care of her. I love him. I love the whole B-team dynamic when they came together as a squad. Like, this is squad goals of the year for me. I forgot to know award, like a best squad award. But yes, B-team of Inspector Koo, best squad award. Next, we have An Go Wook, played by Lee Hong Ne, who, by the way, is Ji Chong Shin, the evil spirit from The Uncanny Counter. I love his character then, and here I love him even more. Also, he's cute? Question mark? I did not think... It, mm, he's kind of cute. Um, but yeah, he's so... He's so good. It's just over the top, but also not. Like, uh, no comments. I just love him. Next, we have Jong Jong Yeon, played by Bae Hae Soon. Seen her everywhere. She was hotel manager in Hotel de Luna also. She was um, the the try-hard uh, apartment president in Happiness. She's everywhere. Uh, love her. Love her dynamics with Kay. I really felt like she wanted the very best for that girl and wanted her to be good. Like, didn't want to believe any of the, you know, terrible things that she was very likely doing and there was evidence for it like she just wanted to nurture and raise this girl as best as she could and yeah love her um also love department head kim played by jang sok yong who i've never seen before and is also like <laughs> you never know if he's really like a pathetic you'd think he's like oh pathetic um assistant to this big bad woman who, you know, treats him like a dog running around doing her errands. And then sometimes he has, like, super spy, killer James Bond moments. Like, what is going on here? And then he reverts back to being a fool. Um, oh, so entertaining. So wildly entertaining. Um, But yeah, in general, everyone in this show acted so well. And the fact that some of my favorite characters are the supporting characters. That's such an achievement because I usually hate supporting characters. <laughs> yeah, I do. It is what it is. But yes, Inspector Koo, great, great, great show. Next award, we have Best Couples. And honestly, it's just Best Couples Singular. You know who it is. But let's do an honorable mention, of course, to Kim Go-un and An Bo-yoon in Yumi Cells. I mean, Kim Go-un in a romance drama with actual good chemistry. Please, I'm so happy for her. They totally sold the show for me. I wouldn't have loved it if they didn't have great chemistry. I wouldn't have bought into the you know, cringy, awkward cuteness of it all. I would have called it cringy. I wouldn't have called it awkward, right? And I wouldn't have called it cute. But they sold it to me and I love them. So the only actual winner of Best Couple this year is uh, Hani and Kwak Shiang from Idol Doku. Oh my god. Honestly, do not use the term explosive chemistry with me until you've seen these two and they beat these two. Because this is explosive chemistry. Okay? Look, chemistry-wise, listen to me. I'm making a big claim. I am putting them on the same level as 
Binjin. Blasphemous. Blasphemous. I know. Binjin or like, to me personally, Join Song and Gong Yojin and it's okay. That's love. Like, to me, that is the level of chemistry that I'm seeing. Where it's like, what's going on here? Something must be going on here because this is too natural. This looks too good. Okay, this this is too much. Recently, I've I've been staying away from romance dramas because I feel bad for anyone who like their chemistry, whatever chemistry they may have, will pale in comparison to Hani and Kwak Shiyang. It's literally unfair to every other K drama couple out there. Okay, and okay, I I don't think I would have really rooted for a CEO idol romance if if Hani and Kwak Shiyang weren't so hot together and individually. I just, I don't think I would have gone this insane over this show and this couple and everything about them if Hani and Kwak Shiyang didn't have such good chemistry. But also on the content story side, like, once again, I really believe that the enemies to lovers pipeline is really good. I mean, they're true enemies and then they, you know, saw each other's like worthy opponents, like you are my match, you will challenge me always, and you make me a better person, in his words, exactly. And, you know, homegirl does not have the time to think about this romantically, but after the show, when she's moving on with her life, and he's not her boss anymore, I really think there's something there. Um. So, yes. Oh, my God. Anyway, I will forever want Hani and Kwak Shiyang to work together. In a romance where they do romancy things, all the romance in the world. I often like think of okay, in this K drama, would Hani and Kwak Shiyang portray these roles well? Absolutely. Yes, they could do that. They could do this and that. And they would always be able to sell it because they're that good together. <laughs> okay, that's it for me today. <laughs> okay, let's move on to best OST. In terms of album or score in general. First, we have DP. Um, I love the hip-hop R&D indie alternative. Not, I don't know genres. Uh, I, just, I just love the bleak vibe of the show based on its music. Uh, next, we have Inspector Koo. My god, the score of this show. It's not really a soundtrack anymore. It's mostly the score. It completes the whole vibe of the show. It's so grungy and yet so hype. It, it, it gives a good hype to the show. And there, they are songs that aren't really fun to listen to outside of the show. So it just shows you that like it completes the drama. The music completes the drama. Next, we have Yumi Cells. Uh, I love the indie vibe. Like we have Nightfall and we have Ling Ling. Uh, it's so bright. We have songs like If I Could Read Your Mind by Wendy. And then we have ballads like uh, Like a Star or Timing. Oh, Also, background info. Because of course, I googled this. Inspector Ku and Yumi Cells have the same composer, which makes 100% perfect sense. And lastly, lastly, we have Idol the Koo. Mm-hmm. Are you surprised? <laughs> um, Honest is my song of the year, okay? And I listen to like 20 out of 23 original songs. 23 original songs. I listen to them regularly. I'm still not sick of it. I will 
find a way to make Honest my number one on Spotify rap next year, okay? I will make it happen. I know that this song deserves that. And we also have best OST in terms of just the individual songs. Uh, first, let's just skip through these. Jang Bong Jun, uh, Your Shampoo Sent in the Flowers from Be Melodramatic. I've spoken about this song so much. Be Melo would have been top uh, album, but you know what? In all honesty, this song is just a standout winner. Next, we have Hello by Soyang from A-Team again. Need I Say More? Um, perfect song. Absolutely love it. A-Team again also has a great album in general, but this song really stands out. Next, we have um, What Is Love by So Yun Jin and Yu Sung Woo from Another Oh Hey Young. So annoying, but so catchy. Um, yeah, absolutely love it. And lastly, we have All For You by Jung Unji and So In Gook from Reply 1997. Recently, this has, this has had a resurgence in my personal life. I personally listen to All For You repeatedly throughout the day. It's one of my favorite OST songs of all time. It was in my life back in 2012, and now it's back. So just infinitely catchy, a true classic, a true, true, true K-drama classic. Next category, next award, we have Best Writing. Oh, oh I wonder what, what's going to be here. First, we have Designated Survivor 60 Days. Obviously, I mean, obviously, okay, obviously, pacing is supreme, superior. Uh, of course, there were some weaker episodes. And of course, uh, it's a little formulaic, like, a problem is introduced and then they solve it. And then a new problem is introduced and then continue on and on. But didn't I just say I love that format? It feels like there's always something happening and I feel so engaged all the time. Uh-huh. That's that's it. That's what I love about the show. Um, best writing. Designated Survivor, definitely. And the fact that it's so plotty, but I still care about the characters. And the, hey, the Blue House squad around President Park Mujin. That's also squad goals. That's one of my best squads of the year. <laughs> okay. Next. In best writing, we have Dear My Friends. This one is more like emotional writing, okay? And also the fact that I care about these old ladies so much. I was made to care about these old ladies so much. Uh, and like the show, you know, focusing on old people instead of just treating them as emotional fodder for people to have uh, some sort of breakthrough or to you know realize the value of life the way old people are used in other K-dramas, like no. Okay, comment. <laughs> the the old lady in in Hometown Cha 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 um Gamdi and she was also in Squid Game and then she was also recently in Jirisan and then she was also in Dear My Friends where she was the mom of someone. So she's the oldest, the eldest among them, truly. In all of those shows she only survived in Dear My Friends. And all the other shows, she died for someone's character development. And I'm just done. I'm tired of that. I'm done, okay? I cannot believe that actress only survived in one show. And it's the show where she's the oldest. Ugh. Ugh, whatever. I'm done. But dear my friends, truly emotional. <laughs> Let's not talk about how much I cried over the show. But it's very beautiful. It's very sad. Very, very beautiful. And lastly, in best writings, Idol the Coup. No, listen. No, it's so debatable. I know. Even I was debating on putting it here. But then I realized 
I don't care, okay? K-dramas need to be more like this. I feel like it's on the opposite extreme of the spectrum of what K-dramas are doing nowadays. Because most K-dramas nowadays are really like all about the slowness and the healing and the calm vibes and the, you know, 20 supporting characters and everyone has a story and everyone must be supported and loved. And Idol Daku is like extreme, hyper-focused, crazy, everything happening always, all the time. And I feel like, yes, those are extremes, but we need to be veering on Idol the Ku's side a little more, guys. Let's let's push the pedal a little bit just to get there a little closer because I I am tired of being bored, okay? And Idol the Ku has managed to make an idol drama have similar pacing to Designated Survivor 60 Days. At least for the middle of the show, the, the greatest... It, it's a normal curve, baby. It, it just reached a peak that was inhuman and we need more k-dramas like that so yes best writing still goes to idol the no matter how flawed it is you know why because i love it and these are my awards and i love idol the next we have best directing i have a lot for these but i don't know anything about directing so i'm just gonna say vibes bro first we have signal of course directed by the absolute master uh, Kim Won-suk PD who still has not come back from post-Arthdal Chronicles Exile please come back please direct something please cast Honey in something and just make her a star because I really think you will bring out the best in her the way you brought out the best in Ayu in My Mister I believe you can do it please <laughs> please now that she is on your radar because you worked with the missing writer and missing writer worked with her please cast Honey and just please come back and give me a drama that will make me miserable again, okay? The way Missing and My Mister and Signal and Arthdal Chronicles all did. Miserable in a good way because I can't stop thinking about it. Please. But Signal. <laughs> Sorry. Signal. I will only mention the 10-minute interrogation scene at the start of episode 2 as like one of my favorite moments of television of all time, all time, Okay. There were 10 minutes before the statute of limitations expired and they put 10 minutes on the clock at the bottom right and said, yeah, we're going to hold this scene for almost exactly the same amount of time, almost real time, right? Just to make you feel that you really only have 10 minutes to get a confession out of this person. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Absolutely one of my favorites. Also, the composer that he works with created this like love theme for um, Cho Jin Wong and Kim Yesu's character that is so recognizable that when I knew she was going to start thinking about him or talking about him, I already heard that theme or that motif come out before it even came out. That's oh, chef's kiss. I love a good musical score. Next, we have B Melodramatic for Best Directing. Okay, this is the director of Extreme Job and 20. So just super funny, dry humor. Oh, insanely creative. Insanely creative. And yet still emotional when it has to be emotional. And also using PPL, like being so overt with their PPL in a comedic way instead of in a, you know, we're pretending that this is natural way. No, this is not natural. Let's be super funny about it. Uh, and then there's that scene where they were whispering very dramatically and then the subs were I don't I don't even know how to explain it. I explained it in my B melodramatic episode, but just so creative and so funny. Um 
Next is Idol the Coup. <laughs> shut up about Idol the Coup. No. Okay, Idol the Coup best directing because I don't know, it's just well shot. Okay, everything. Every I have nothing to say. The pacing is honestly so engaging. Loved the use of music. Loved how they produced everything, really. Even just them performing as idols. And once again, creative use of music. I had a whole segment on this in my two-hour podcast. Look for the timestamp. It's gonna be there. Um, yeah, absolutely love it. And lastly, we have, for me, the best directing of this year, Inspector Koo. I don't know. It's insanely creative. They have both like 2D animation. They had this like 3D video game animation segment. They use like set pieces, like theater set pieces to really emphasize this, you know, um, theater meets murder scenario that's going on. Um, it's just insanely creative. Insanely creative. There are some parallels that make you think like, are Kay and Inspector Koo the same person? But no, they weren't. Uh, they break the fourth wall at times where, you know, they talk to the, the audience or they look straight into the camera. Just a lot of those little moments. It's so uh, quirky in a good way. Finally, in a good way. And yeah, that's that. Those are the best directing director winners. Um, let's quickly go through the most disappointing this year. Let's start with Hospital Playlist 2. Look, I loved season 1 so much, but season 2 was pure fan service. And it kind of lost the friendships of the show that I love the most. It reduced some characters to like a singular trait. And I don't know. Also, the OSTs, not as good as I wanted them to be. Um, I've said enough about the show. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm done. But season 1 will always be special. Next, nevertheless, most disappointing. Because we really thought like, okay, we're going to do something a little racy for Korean television. But that's fine. We're going to challenge it. We're going to show something that's taboo and challenge the ideas there. And then it totally butchered the message of the webtoon. And you know what? In general, nevertheless, was boring. Boring as hell. Like Even without the ending, considering the ending and what the message of the show became, it was just boring. Okay, it was just boring. Next, Hush. Hush was disappointing because it could have been good and it really gave me hope because of some like great moments and great themes. But then it dragged out this story for one big case when it could have focused on like smaller issues and the daily life aspect of these reporters. Like, oh, it could have been so good. And Wang Jung-min was there, an actor that's just, Truly phenomenal. And yet, you know, that that was what it was. So sad. And lastly, for my most disappointing show, it's Jiri-san. And I've said enough about it. Um, I once said, this can't be bad. But I was wrong. <laughs> it could be bad. It was. And uh, Jiri-san is a good example of like doing so much, but still managing to be boring because things don't tie together. Seamlessly. Okay, so I'm just gonna quickly list down my top 15 dramas of 2021 because I do list it down. I rank it like as I finish it. Okay, would I place this on my top 15? Uh, we'll see. So these 15 dramas, by the way, they don't have to air in 2021, just the ones that I watched in 21. I watched this year. Let's start. 15. 
I hear your voice. 14. Mr. Sunshine. 13. DP. 12. Mad for each other. 11. You are my spring. Going into the top 10, my faves now. Yeah. Number 10, be melodramatic. Number 9, 18 again. Number 8, Stranger 2. Number 7, Arthdal Chronicles. Number 6, Inspector Koo. And now, we move to the top 5. And I should probably explain a little bit for the ones that I have not explained a bit much about. So number 5, we have Live. I haven't talked about this in a while. Look, I see its flaws, yes. And I see that I don't really like. <laughs> this is the reverse of what was happening to me now. It's like, in Live, I like the supporting characters way more than the main characters. But I feel like they really did a good ensemble cast where they blended well into the supporting cast and whatever vibes were immaculate it was hard to watch but vibes were immaculate um but yes five is live binged it in two days drove me nuts almost made me write fanfic can you believe that can you believe that and <laughs> yeah number five number four dear my friends i've said enough beautiful show number three Designated Survivor 60 Days. I have said enough. Just truly engaging. Edge of my seat. Constant. Constant love. Binge that also for a few days. Number two. Yumi Cells. Of course. Once again, I'm not a rom-coms fan. And yet, they made me love a rom-com. So, that's great. Great for you. And my number one K-drama of 2021. Any guesses, everyone? Anyone uh, want to wager a guess here? Uh, it's Idol the Cool. And I will not explain this because I do not need to and I do not think anyone would want me to. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to also mention my top five dramas of all time even considering the ones that I watched in 2020. But before that, let's do some honorable mentions, right? Shows that could have been part of this or like I have a special fondness for it, but I wouldn't really include it in my top five necessarily. And also note, this doesn't follow my top 10 lists of each year because, okay, my system is like, yeah, I, I fix the rankings constantly throughout the year, but at the end of 2020 or at the end of 2021, I will not touch these rankings anymore because I feel like that is a snapshot of my tastes at the end of that year. That is a snapshot of who I was and what I liked, and I should just leave that alone. But if in the future I realize that, you know what, I really love my top 15 show more than my top one show, well, I will mention that, but I will not change the ranking as it is. So yeah, these are just shows that have a special fondness for me. I will explain some of these. I should. So honorable mentions. First, we have Hospital Playlist Season 1 only. Despite everything I hated about Season 2, Season 1 was truly special to me. Always will be. It it was my family for a year, okay? I love them. Uh, next, we have It's Okay, That's Love. A show that I'm kind of revisiting right now because of, you know, just me thinking about explosive chemistry and how Kong Yojin and Join Song sold that show to me. So flawed, right? So many problematic aspects. And yet, somehow, I'm just so in love with the show. 
even if it's cringy, even if it's weird, even if you know that director still was doing the extreme close-up style in his career at that point, I don't care. I love it's okay. That's love. Next, we have Doctor Romantic Two, not one, just two. Insanely rewatchable. I still am tempted to rewatch it until today because. Oh, I love Dr. Romantic too. And I'm very excited for season 3. I hope it's good as this season. <laughs> Better than season 1, hopefully. Um, next, we have Live. Live did not make it to my top 5 because only because I didn't like the main characters. Right? Only because I didn't like them. And for the others, I could say, oh, I love all the characters. Um... Next, we have 18 again. Another very special show to me. Uh, it's, it's kind of like it started out good and then dipped quite a bit in the big chunk towards the middle. And then towards the end, it just hit me so hard in a way that, yeah, you have to end well. Not even sticking the landing, but just getting back up and then sticking the landing. That's what this did for me. Like, it, it just left an impact, right? And that's why it's important to end well. And keep your theme intact. That's why. Next, honorable mention. Be melodramatic. This show is also very special to me. I felt sad when it was about to be edged out of my top 10. And then I just rearranged some things and said, no, I like be melodramatic better. Because I can't stand the thought of not putting this in my top 10. <laughs> um, honorable mention is Yumi Cells. Only, only because season 2 isn't out yet. So I, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself. Maybe season two will suck. Maybe the third boy will have terrible chemistry with her. Who knows? But Yumi Cells is very special to me. And last honorable mention is Inspector Koo. Um, it's, I just enjoyed it so much. And it really helped. It didn't get me out of my slump. Because right after it ended, it's like, well... Back to the slump. I watched a recent show that was pretty good, but who knows if any other show will be good. Um, yeah, it's, it's just too recent. And I just finished it. I don't know if it will stand the test of time for fondness because the way I talk about all these other shows is like, oh, I love it so much. No matter how much time has passed, I see all its flaws. I've watched better shows of its genre, but I still love it. But for Inspector Koo, I don't know, man. It did make me like a serial killer thriller, drama, comedy show. So that's very special to me. But we'll see if it stands the test of time. So here is the ultimate dramatic reveal of my top five dramas of all time. As if this is not like super predictable. Place your bets. I'll give you like a second. Okay, let's do it. Number five. Dear my friends, of course. Um, number four. Designated Survivor, 60 Days. Mm-hmm. That's my fourth favorite K-drama of all time. Number three. My Mister. Hey, guys, it's My Mister. It's back. Um, It's just beautiful, man. It's just a beautiful drama. You've taken these, like, borderline makjang plot events and said, feel things, you know? It's, it's a lot of things are happening plot-wise, but... More important than all of that is just the connection between Park Dong-hoon and Lee Ji-an and how empathy empathy can change people's lives. What a great message, always. And oh, everything about it. Everything about it. Truly, yeah, my top three drama. Okay, okay. So for the last two, what do you think are my candidates 
oh this this would be fun if i had audience participation but what do you think my candidates would be well you know who they are and for number two number two is idol the cool whoa whoa there son and that means number one my number one k-drama of all time still is missing yeah that's right baby has not changed has not been removed from its throne um Idol the Coup came so close, but it did not end as well. <laughs> Missing was a little more forgivable, and it's like not that okay ending. And you know, Missing had 20 episodes to make to soften the blow, but Idol the Coup only had 12, and it just it did not end well. But I still love it so much, and I still believe it deserves the world. And here's the funny thing: Missing and Idol the Coup have the same writer, and Missing and my mister have the same director. Okay, it's a special, there's something special here, and Missing is at the center of it. It's forever special to me. And I can't even personally relate to it. I've never worked in an office in my life. But just the subtleties of the characters, their growth, their the growth of their relationships with each other, their growth as individuals, and just the message of we're just here to survive. And you'd think, like, isn't it so anticlimactic? Like Okay, they all stayed in the company except for Jangore. And that's it. That's all that happened in the ending. That's all you can substantially say about their endings. But that was the question of the show. Like, will they survive? And how did, how did they eventually survive? By adapting. By learning to work with office culture. By, you know, um, addressing their own issues internally. Uh, and, and learning to work with others. And for Jangore, it's like, sometimes, no matter how hard you work, he was the one who wanted to stay the most, right? He was the most hardworking of all of them. But you know, sometimes life just leaves you disadvantaged in the first place. And that sucks. Okay, but it's not the end of the world. Because life keeps going. We keep striving. That's all we can do. And similar to Idol the Coup, it's like, success and failure are... You know, they're so close to each other. There's just a thin line between success and failure. But life doesn't end after failure. And life doesn't become magically perfect after success. So just keep going. Just keep striving. Live your very best life today. And do your very best today. And live in the present. And tomorrow will come. <laughs> but oh, you, you can only live in the present and do what you can now. And you can't let your past hold you back. Stuff like that, I guess. Yeah, my two, my top two dramas. Idol the Coup and Missing. And that's it for me today. And that's it for us in 2021. Wow. It's been a crazy year. For me personally, a lot has happened. <laughs> a lot has happened this year and... 2022 will be even crazier. I can already tell. Major life changes. Um, but, but yeah, I'll be here. I'll be watching K-dramas. Probably more slowly now. I won't be tuning into everything because that really burned me out. Um, 2021, like, wasn't that great of a year for ongoing K-dramas for me. I think I'm not a huge fan of the recent trend of where K-dramas are going. Um, like, only three out of my top ten were released this year. Yeah. So hopefully 2022 will be better, K-drama-wise. And 
real life wise i do not want to hype things up and say that i'm excited for so many things because i might be disappointed again but yeah that's it for me today hope you guys have a I don't know, wonderful, restful holiday season wherever you are in the world. Um, uh, thoughts and prayers for the next year. Hopefully, things turn up and life becomes better for everyone. I don't know where I'm going with this. That's it. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you soon. Thanks for tuning in. Feel free to leave a comment, like, subscribe, follow, and tell me what you thought about today's episode. See you soon!